Sam? Oh, hey, Bev. What'd you open over there? I opened, oh my gosh, it's something that's dumping all over me. And I feel like this <laughs> happened last time I drank this on the podcast. God freaking dang it. <laughs> uh, it's called House Lion by Off Color Brewing. Oh, I'm very, this is ridiculous. My lap is soaked. <laughs> uh... Okay. So anyways, this is a house lion by Off Color Brewing. Luckily, I'm pouring it into my glass. That's taking care of my problem. <sighs> oh, my. My laptop is wet. Jeez. Okay. Um, it is a farmhouse table ale. And I love this beer so much because it's a mini tiny beer, like our mini tiny episode. It's only eight ounces, so it's perfect for a shorter one. And the secret ingredients in this beer are pride, free boxes, and a type of yeast that I can't pronounce. It's one of the oh. bright yeasts, which is one of the reasons why I really enjoy this beer. So what'd you open over there? <laughs> so I opened a canned wine. It is Prophecy Pinot Noir, and it has notes of ripe cherry, strawberry, hints of spice and vanilla with a f- smooth finish. And it's, I'll describe it as buttery. It's kind of rich for a mm. Pinot Noir. But not bad. Not bad at all. That sounds delicious. And luckily, yours didn't pour all over you like mine. No, it did not. It made it all in the glass. That's excellent. I'm using my flannel to wipe my laptop off. And hopefully I don't have to go anywhere later because I'm going to smell like a lush. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things, the miniature sewed. The miniature sewed. I like that. I was feeling fancy. And in this miniature sewed series, we are making these minis more about you and less about us. And today we have a few can't evens to talk about that were put in our Facebook group. And then we have a farm story. Yes, and it is going to be super fun. And our drink peep this episode is at Sticky Holler Farm, which is our friend Katie. So cheers, Lenny. Cheers. So the first can't even for today was posted in our Facebook group by Angie Marie. And it's actually a video from the Dodo and it's really cute. So make sure you go to the show notes to click on the link. But we'll kind of describe what happens here. So it starts off with this couple that finds a baby emu. And there are no other baby emus around. So this baby emu like runs into this lady's arm and she takes him home and names him Ernie. And apparently he just loves to be cuddled, which is so cute. And as somebody that has seriously considered getting emus in the future, like this did not help the case for me. Like, I I really feel like I need a few now. I mean, honestly, I watched this video yesterday and I was just looking at this tiny baby emu and I was like, we have room for emus on this farm, <laughs> right? We can get some emus. I love the way that they run and play, yes. they're yes. hilarious. 
Also, this lady has baby kangaroos at her home, so it leads me to believe she's some kind of animal rescue. Um, Also jealous about that, but this emu is best friends with them and hangs out in the fake, like, Joey pouches with them and will play with them. Um, And she has tried letting him hang out with the chickens and ducks, but he didn't really seem to fit in. He just kind of, like, preferred the kangaroos, I guess. But she did say that One day, a rooster was, like, flogging her, and Ernie ran over when he saw it and chased the chicken away. Which I was like, that is exactly what I need in the spring when my roosters are being a-holes. I need an Ernie to, like, keep them away. (laughs) Same. When I saw that part, I just laughed. I was like, yeah, now I really need an emu. (laughs) And uh, this video also teaches us that emus like to swim, wiggle, dance, roll over, and run, uh, all of which are very adorable to watch. And then it goes like a year later, and he looks a lot different, but he still loves the water and hanging out with the older kangaroos, and he's still doing his swim, wiggle, dance, roll over stuff, so... I mean, even when he was bigger, I was still like, yeah, I kind of feel like I need one of those. Yeah, and he wasn't a ridiculous size either. No. I always thought that emus were going to be like the size of ostriches, which if you've oh, ever no. been next to an ostrich, they are giant and also terrifying and will eat your cell phone if you point it too close to them. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what the tour bus guide tells me. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> but... He, he was only, like, still just barely, like, above knee height, even at, like, full size. Yeah, and emus, I just Googled it. It takes them six months to be about full grown. Um, More so, like, you'll get a good idea of how big they are, 12 to 14 months, but they don't reach, reach sexual maturity until two years old. Oh. So, I mean, maybe, like, once Ernie gets the hormones he won't be as pleasant to be around i don't know but the video from the dodo is just adorable regardless of that so we'll just stick with the fantasy here of an adorable emu i like sticking with the fantasy because the hormones ruin everybody children they do (laughs) baby goats roosters yes probably emus (laughs) And, like, side can't even tangent. It was really fun that we picked this one because I posted that one of the emu playing in the sprinkler just a few days ago. That was so cute. And when I saw the way that it, like, ran around and, like, got into the water and then avoided the water and then, like, danced with the water, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I look like while I'm playing in the sprinkler. So this emu (laughs) is totally my spirit animal. (laughs) And I'm sure that that emu that is your spirit animal probably eats arugula. Uh, Yes, for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. So our next can't even is from our friend Mike G over in the Facebook group. And he told us all about the ghost cow of Michigan Highway 28. Dun, dun, dun. And I was like, ghosts and farming? Like, can it get any better than this? What a fun combination. (laughs) It really is. And it turns out that this cow has a Facebook page. And this cow is also super fascinating because I guess the folklore behind the cow is that 
she was an escapee from a farm that sold all of their cows and she somehow got left behind and wandered off oh right poor cow kind of sad and she's an all-white cow which is why they call her the ghost cow and she apparently lived along this specific stretch of highway 28 for like five years before she was finally captured and rehomed last year yeah and um, our friend in the group, Mike, who posted about it, said that drivers would catch glimpses of her at night and some would even talk to her. Um, so it's kind of like was a cool thing um, that this cow was out there doing that. But it's kind of remarkable at the same time. It was getting salt by licking the road in the winter and it would find all of its food year round, even in the winter where the snow is two to three feet deep. And they're also in a um, heavily populated predator area. So there are like black bears um, and like wolf packs. Uh, So it's pretty remarkable that that cow made it on her own for like five years. Yeah. And we're going to put some links to the Facebook group or the Facebook page for the ghost cow of M28. So even though she's captured, I think they're still planning on updating the Facebook page because she was taken in by someone that actually like had interest in her that lived in the area. So she's still going to remain locally. But there's also going to be a link to like the local group for that area of the UP because if you do a search for ghost cow in that group, and it's not a private group, so you don't have to be a member to do this, you are going to find so many really fun just like snippets of people running into this ghost cow and being like, what the hell? I just saw like a giant (laughs) white cow in the middle of Highway 28. What is this? Is this some kind of ghost cow? And someone will comment and be like, well, actually, we do call it the ghost cow. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, there's lots of the, you know, like neighborhood rantings of, well, we've got to get this cow under control because we're afraid that a car is going to hit her, which is a legit concern. Nobody wants to hit livestock on the road because it can be extremely dangerous. But there's also a lot of really positive things about her on there. Like people would go out there specifically to see if they could have a sighting. And there's some really fun like clips of people putting their phones on their dashboards. And like she's standing in the middle of the road licking the <laughs> licking the line, getting her salt. And then they'll like beep at her and she'll look up and then she'll run off like off the road. So she was a very polite ghost cow also. And I'm glad that she's found like a permanent home. I think that's super cool. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's got to be pretty awesome to have the ghost cow too. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. If there was a ghost cow in Ohio, it would definitely be living in my pasture with <laughs> Percy and Herc. <laughs> So the other one, I felt like this was kind of cheating, but it was too good not to share. Bev actually posted this, I believe, on or around Valentine's Day. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And it's the title is the first Valentine's Day involved lots of goat skin. And my brain immediately went to like, what was goat skin used for like condoms or something? (laughs) But that's far from the case. (laughs) So... Uh, Valentine's Day likely started in ancient Rome and it was called the Festival of Lupercalia and it was held from February 13th to the 15th to celebrate fertility so I was close 
But what they were actually doing was that the men were sacrificing a goat and then whipping women with those fresh goat skins as a sign of love. (laughs) (laughs) And people actually believed that the practice would increase fertility. Whether it did or not isn't known, but it did decrease the goat population in Rome. Yeah. How bizarre. (laughs) Super bizarre. And want to know something even odder? So that was emailed to me. Like, apparently it was some sort of advertisement or interesting, like, piece of news (laughs) that someone, like, put in their newsletter. I wish I could remember which company it came from because I'd be super fascinated to remember that. But I don't. I took a screenshot of it with my phone really quick and threw it up in the group. And I was so sad that I had noticed it like on Valentine's Day. So I couldn't actually use it for the can't even for the episode that released that day. (laughs) So I was like, well, I have to share this with everybody anyways, because this is the weirdest news I think I've ever learned. (laughs) Oh, it is so weird. History is very interesting. It is. And you know, it's funny. Um, The kids will always ask about, like, the history of a holiday or something like that. And oddly enough, on Valentine's Day, one of my kids was like, I wonder where Valentine's Day came from. And I was like, well, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And then I told them this. And Aurora, she's eight. She looked at me and she's like, what do you mean whipped them with goat skins? (laughs) And then Jared was looking at me and I was like, never mind. This was not... (laughs) This was not appropriate, weird (laughs) holiday history to share with you. I'm sorry. (laughs) I forgot for a minute that you were eight. (laughs) Your brother is probably mortified that I'm talking about this. (laughs) I'm sure he was. It was really funny. Like, they're both just staring at me. And I was like, well, I'm just trying to be honest with them. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's great. Oh, my God. And we got a farm story. We did. And I really love these so much. So, guys, make sure you're sending these to us. I know sometimes it's hard to think that maybe your life isn't so interesting on the farm, but that is like the furthest thing from the truth. So many interesting things happen and other people want to hear about them. So make sure you send these to us. This was sent to us on Instagram, so you could send it that way. You can send it through email at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. Or Facebook Messenger. Whatever floats your boat. Yeah, we will take your stories however you want to send them. Carrier pigeon, do it. (laughs) Yes. Voice recording, that might be tricky, but sure. (laughs) Hmm. Maybe we can make that a Patreon level someday. Ooh, that'd be fun. You guys will have to let us know if you're interested in that. Yeah, because I know other podcasts have like phone numbers you can call and leave a voicemail. And then sometimes they'll play the question or whatever. So maybe that that could be in our future someday. If you don't feel like typing it out, maybe we'll do that. But let us know first that that's something you guys would actually want. Yeah, because I'd be willing to set up time to record people telling their farm stories. I could do that. So this farm story is from Secord Maze over on the Instagram. And they write, hello, ladies from Manitoba, Canada. I love listening to your podcast. Sam, you have me rolling on the floor every episode. Bev, you inspire me to take a risk and try new things. And I love how you both are supportive and show kindness and compassion. Bravo. I wanted to share a chicken story with you. 
when I was a kid about 100 years ago, my grandpa, <laughs> my grandma and my step-grandpa got a bunch of chicks from a student at the University of Manitoba who was doing some type of experiment. They had injected the hatching eggs with a dye and the chicks were all different colors. It was like a batch of Easter chicks, blue and green and purple and pink. To a little kid, they were magical. Those chickens grew up and lost their colorful fluff, but I still loved them. I spent every possible day during my summer breaks at my grandparents' farm and got up to all kinds of weird and gross and crazy antics, many that involved the chickens and the other animals. My favorite chicken at the farm was named Susie. She was one of the original Easter chicks. Susie only had the lower half of her beak as she had an unfortunate accident where she where her top beak was lopped off in one of my grandpa's traps. Oh, no. Yikes. (laughs) She was the sweetest hen and loved me to lug her around and sing to her while she made her contented toting noises. She had to scoop in her food as she only had a lower beak, so we put her in a wooden granary to eat from the feed pile. Sometimes we would forget about her and remember after dark and have to go and carry her to the coop. The wonderful old hen made me into a lifetime chicken lover, and I am happy to say that this spring I am getting some chicks of my own to raise for eggs and to have around our corn maze. I can hardly wait. I might have a name, have to name one Susie. Cheers from Shelly Secord. So cute. That was so cute. Yeah. I didn't know that you could dye baby chicks by injecting color into the eggs. That's really interesting. Yeah, I actually saw some like that when I was in Australia at a petting zoo. It was really bizarre. I'll have to see if I can dig up the picture. But they were like older. They were like mature silky bantams by the time I saw them. So I'm not sure if they did something else to them, but I've definitely heard of that before. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's totally considered ethical or not these days but it's kind of cool to look at I'll be I won't lie (laughs) so I mean I've seen people like spray like that chalk color Mm, you know like mm -hmm. on their silkies and stuff to make them rainbowy and it's just like uh some people do that with dogs too like I've seen poodles you know like chalk dyed different colors because it's kind of harmless on them so Maybe that's a fun idea for some colorful chickens also. <laughs> yeah, I would never be able to actually like inject dye into eggs though, first of all. I feel it like, sounds I, like I would screw that up real fast. Exactly. I don't have a steady enough hand for that. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we're not surgeons. <laughs> yeah. Chalk dye some chickens though? I can handle that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So be sure and send us your farm stories if you haven't yet. I mean... That one was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. I liked it. So just some housekeeping and announcements before we sign off this mini-sode. Be sure and hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen. And leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts to possibly be entered into a monthly drawing. And do us a favor and share this episode over on the Instagram in your stories and tag us at Drink and Farm because we'll send you a promo code just for that episode that's good for a percentage off in our merch shop. And make sure you take a look at the show notes for links to our social media, the merch shops, and the can't evens we talked about today and some other fun things. Yes. And until next time, guys, drink, farm, 
and give zero clucks. Bye, guys. Bye. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. This time of year, the weather is deciding if it's still winter or if it's spring, which can do some interesting things to the smells and pests on your farm. First Saturday Lime is our go-to natural organic pest control. It helps keep the bugs away and helps soak up ammonia and the sink in your coops and barns. First Saturday Lime can be used year-round and is something we always have on hand at our farms. With so many uses, you really can't go wrong using the safe organic lime. Go to firstsaturdaylime.com and use code DRINK at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping.